friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to ignite your kingdom purpose and equip you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged. On today's episode, you get the opportunity to hear a recording from an Oklahoma Next Gen live event where Matthew and Rebecca Johnson, who pastor the Sanctuary Church in Columbus, Indiana, share lessons and personal stories from the beginning of their ministry, and talk about some of the practical aspects of serving in the kingdom of God. You won't want to miss it, so let's get into today's episode. so glad that you chose to be at NextGen today. And our last event, we had a great time talking about being led by the Holy Ghost and being uh, sensitive with spiritual discernment and things like that. But there are other gifts that are talked about in Scripture that we did not discuss last time, and that is the gifts of help and different areas of service. And so that's going to be the focus of today, and we are so delighted to have an incredible couple with us this weekend as our guest speakers, uh, Brother Matthew and Sister Becca Johnson, pastors of the Sanctuary in Columbus, Indiana. This is an incredible couple, and uh, I call him on occasion. He calls and checks on me on occasion, and he's an incredible man. He's served in many different capacities, in many different roles, in many different churches. He has ran entire surgery centers. He's also served as youth pastor. He served as director of promotion and the general youth secretary in St. Louis, Missouri at our headquarters, and now as the senior pastor of the sanctuary in Columbus, Indiana. And I know that you're going to be blessed by his outlook on service and roles in the church today, and we're excited about that. My wife's going to tell you a little bit about Sister Johnson now. We're so excited to have Sister Johnson here today. She is the sweetest person you will ever meet. She will always have a smile on her face, and I appreciate that about her. (laughs) But if you ever feel down, you can always find Sister Johnson, and she will give you tons of encouragement and kind words to you. So I'm so excited to hear from them. I'm excited that they're here, and I hope that y'all are all blessed by them. It's great to be in Oklahoma again. You may be seated. I'm going to turn to one scripture, 1 Samuel 16, 13. I I want to preface what we're going to say today by telling you, today's going to be real practical. It's going to be boots on the ground. It's going to be about what are you doing at your local church right now? Where are you at? And it's going to be an opportunity to evaluate. Um, We are in the midst of opening up a new counseling wing in our church. It's It's going to be very exciting. We're going to have five counseling offices We're going to have um, emotional and family therapy. But one component that's really interesting to that is we are actually going to have career coaching and we're going to have financial coaching. Now, that's not real spiritual. You don't get the tinglys when you start talking about Dave Ramsey. However, it is just as important as the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. I'll wait for the... 
the person who has a credit card to, to uh, also clap right now. Thank you, you just made my day. <laughs> Everyone should have one of these handouts. This is the fill in the blank, you're gonna follow along. So today's gonna to be more of like a workshop than preachy, all right? Because sometimes inspiration is wonderful, but some of the pastors know what I'm talking about. We get a lot of inspiration, but guess what? There's work to do when you get back home and it's not real inspiring a lot of the times. But it's gotta be done. And so I hope today by my wife and I sharing some of these experiences, you'll realize that although you might see leaders like you see today and, and the great things they're doing, many times they don't share what it took to get there. I, I would used to talk to young medical professionals and they were like, how do you become a CEO? I said, let me tell you what I did. My very first event in healthcare was running a, an event that had to do with bike safety for kids, we handed out helmets. But in that event, I met, I met a surgeon who would later be my boss. It's these key moments in your life that you think are very insignificant that God is using right now for his glory. We start in 1 Samuel 16, 13. It says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. So we're gonna talk about the space in between, and, and in a few moments you'll kind of understand what that means. But can you imagine that day, and I have a picture here, I just got back from Israel and it was such a wonderful trip, but I, I, I got to thinking, if you'll show that picture, what it was like David that day caring for the sheep. And if you didn't know, sheep take a lot of care um, sometimes they run off when they're not supposed to. Sometimes they need shearing. Sometimes they get sick. Sometimes sheep get in fights, and the shepherd has to break up the fights. And guess what? David was good at that. But on this particular day, he had just gone to work like any other, but this day would be different because the prophet would stop by and anoint David. Now, we all know the story, he was the runt of the family and all the other brothers came before and God said, no, this isn't one, this isn't one, and then it came to David. But this was the guy no one expected to do great things in his life, all right? And suddenly, we know that he was now gonna be propelled to a place of power, he was climbing the ladder. Key things to remember, and I want you to fill in the blank. David had not sought any positions, remember that. Do, do you know, do you see anything in scripture about David saying, you know what, I, I want to be the next king? No, that's not what it was. He was, he was not. The next fill in the blank, David had not tried out for the position of king. He didn't go to the auditions of future kingship. The last fill in the blank there, David was just busy doing what he had been told to do. He was just being the shepherd. And in fact, David had no idea that he was being considered for this whole king thing. But that day changed everything. Now he was anointed. And in our minds, I want to tell the story how I would have finished it, all right? You ready for this? This is how I would have finished the story for David. David gets anointed. There's angels singing from heaven. I mean, it's, it's a glorious moment. His, his face was shining everywhere he went. People could see the shine. Saul sees him and says, you are obviously anointed. You should be king. I'm going to resign. You're in. Here is the place where you can be. Here are a hundred servants. You're a great leader. Let's have a big fanfare and let's end this with a big Disney song. 
That's how I would tell the story. But is that how it happened? No, no. There were many twists and turns, fill in the blank. There were many twists and turns in David's life. There were frustrating moments. There were painful moments. There were times when David second-guessed everything. And here's your next fill in the blank. From the time is it from his anointing to the time he began serving as king, how many years was it? Does anyone know? Someone take a guess. You in the white. What, what would you guess? How many years from the time he was anointed to the time he became king? How many? 30 months. Okay, someone else over here. Anybody? Front row, how many years? 12? 17. Okay, it's in the middle. It was 15 years. 15 years. That's 5,475 days. We, we don't think about this time span, but that's how long it took. How many times does God promise us things, but in the wait, we get frustrated, we forget about it, we think God's forgotten about us. Can I get an amen from somebody? Fifteen years, we question, we second guess. This is what we're calling the space in between, fill in the blank. It's the time span between the calling on your life until the time in which you feel you're fulfilling your calling. I wish I could have had this session 25 years ago. I wish I could have spoken into my life 25 years ago at this moment because I would have saved myself a lot of frustrations. Beck and I were trying to do the will of God, but things weren't working the way we thought. I want her to come right now and share some of those wonderful memories. Wonderful memories, not. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious, if I knew what we knew now back then, life would have been so much easier, but we didn't. We had to learn the hard way in so many different ways. By the way, it's so good to see you all and all these beautiful faces. You guys are wonderful. But when we first started out in our early years, I had grown up in ministry. My husband did not. I kind of had an idea. Um, and I thought whenever I was 20 years old that I knew everything. And I learned very quickly I knew nothing. And we started, in our early years, I would say, we started youth pastoring at, what were we, 20 years old? 20. We started youth pastoring a small youth group. And we were just really, we were wet behind the ears and we were just eager to please God and to give our very best and to just jump all in. And when we jumped all in, we realized we really did not know what we were doing. And uh, we, we, were, we were not the typical couple. We got married at a very young age, and we were 19 years old when we got married. Most of the couples that were our age, our peers, were at Bible school. They were doing all the Bible school things, and here we were. We were working a full-time job, going to a secular college, and trying just to make a living and, and grow a youth group in a, in a church. And it was very, very difficult when we saw our peers having a good time. They'd bring their friends home from Bible school. And here we were just, just trying to survive, trying to put food on the table. And it was very discouraging because we began to compare. How many of you have compared before? 
the comparison game. We began to compare ourselves. Well, we should have maybe went to Bible school. Maybe we could have done it as a married couple. But then we quickly realized, you know, as they began to get out of Bible school, back then it was not accredited, we get, began to realize when they came home, when they graduated and came home, many of them were having to work. And it was hard because they were having to go to different jobs that, you know, you wouldn't normally would want to go to after attending college. And then it began to resonate within us that, you know what, we were learning to do ministry right here in the moment while we were working our jobs, while we were being consistent. We were going to prayer meetings. We were giving Bible studies. And we were just being consistent. And during that training time, we were learning just as much as a Bible school student was. And we, were, we, were, we had blinders on, I guess, to the fact that we were actually learning stuff. But we were. We were learning. And there's something beautiful about just being able to serve in the small things. We, we gave Bible studies. We started giving Bible studies at a very young age. And I want to, you to write this down somewhere if you could. I really believe still to this day God has blessed our marriage. And I'm not talking about leadership here. I'm talking about your marriage. If you are not married, whenever you decide to get married or date that special someone, we did this actually when we started to date. We gave one another a Bible study to each other. If you haven't done that before, if you haven't given your spouse a Bible study or the one you are dating that you think you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with, give each other a Bible study. It made us grow close to one another in our personal relationship. And not only that, it helped us and it prepared us when we were married and we were giving Bible studies. We gave our very first Bible study. We were were 19 years old and it was to a 30-year-old Catholicism teacher. Talk about heavy duty. We had to learn about Catholicism real fast. I knew nothing because I grew up an apostolic, Pentecostal young girl that just thought, you know, that was the only thing that was alive and thriving. And I didn't realize, oh, there's a Baptist religion. There's, they believe in three gods. I thought everybody believed in one God. And I learned really quickly um, that, you know, you don't have to go to Mary. But we learned all these neat, neat things, and we were prepared because we had taught one another at a very young age. We were building a foundation And that's what you are doing now. You are building a foundation for your future. And God will bless you for that. We did not have a lot of money. We were very, very poor. Matter of fact, we we would go to Taco Bell. How many of you done this? We would go to Taco Bell. We would get a two-taco meal, and we would share a large drink. And then we would get the little curly cinnamon fries, and we would split those. That's how poor we were. But we were happy, and we were doing our very best. We were staying faithful. We were, we were being consistent, and we were working really hard. I talked about the Bible school students, and the reason why I'm talking about this a lot is because a lot of young adults get this misconstrued idea that you have to go to Bible school to be in ministry. That is not true. I think Bible school is phenomenal. I think it is great and it's a blessing now that many of them are becoming accredited. I am even more of a fan of it. But you do, if you are feeling called to be a nurse, a doctor, or even if you want to be a school teacher, you do not have to go to Bible school to be in ministry. You can be a minister right where you are. 
and so the Bible couples that I talked about, they would come home and um, they were doing, they were on zeal and they started doing great things and they started to talk about all the things they had and all the great things they were doing and and it just seemed like everything, that, it just was like, oh, here we've been at home working so hard and we're just going nowhere. We're just at this plateau. Have you ever felt like you're at this plateau and you're just not going anywhere and you're just tired? You're working hard and you're exhausted. And one day, I, I'm just going to get a little transparent. I felt like a failure. I was at work. I worked for an ophthalmologist, and he worked me hard, and I was just tired. I would leave work. I would go to prayer meeting, or I would have a, we would have youth girls Bible study at the house, or I would meet some ladies at the church, and we would have a Bible study. It was constant work, and it just seemed like I was tired, and I was weary, and I was questioning God. God, why am I giving my very best, and I feel like I'm spinning my wheels, have you ever asked God that question? Let's get real here. And I opened up the paper that was on my desk that morning. And there on my desk was this newspaper. And I opened it up, and it listed this couple's name that had just been bragging to us about all the brand new furniture that they just filled in their house a few months ago, and their new car that they got, and all these things that they come up, they come to church with all these new suits and these new clothes, and here we are, I'm having to go to Goodwill and buy my clothes. How many have ever had to do that? I did. I had to go to Goodwill because we were young and we, we married young and we were just trying to get through college and work a full-time job. I opened up that newspaper and it said bankruptcy notice and it had that couple's name underneath. It just goes to show you don't look at what others are doing. You do not. If you start doing that and you, you go down a spiral downwards, it will be hard for you to pick yourself back up and to keep moving forward. So keep pressing on and keep trying your very best. And you are, not, you are going somewhere. You are building that foundation we just talked about. You're building a foundation for your future and for your ministry. When God gives you a little and you're able to successfully fulfill that little that he has given you, he will keep adding more to it. And through that, you will keep growing and growing and you will become more what he wants you to. He's preparing you right now for the future. And I believe that if you stay faithful like we did, we tried to, we're still learning. <laughs> we're still learning. But we stayed faithful and that is the key. Stay faithful to what you're doing and give the very best to what is right in front of you. It might look like cleaning a toilet. It might be pushing a vacuum or working in a nursery, wiping the study noses and changing diapers. But what you are doing right now, right in front of you, give your very best. Do not complain. Do not murmur and do not complain. You can read about it in the Bible when the people began to complain what God did. It's over and over. Do not complain about it. Just say thankful. Thank you, God, for allowing me to have the hands to serve. Thank you for letting me have the eyesight to be able to see and do what I need to do, Lord. Give him praise in the little things, and he will bless you. And, you know, just as soon as we, we felt like that we were just growing and we were, we were starting to thrive, it just seemed like that God would give us another time bomb. And he would throw it on us, and here we go again. We got to grow some more. The pastors know what I'm referring to at this moment. It's that moment when you feel all of you have hopefully felt that call in your life, or maybe you're finding that now. From here 
to where you finally get there. This is the period right here that will make or break you. This is the period right here where my wife and I had to put our heads down and get to work. Unfortunately, this is the problem too many young leaders have. They want to be called, and then they want all of this right now. You see, you all would like to drive the car, and it's not that great of a car, but you like my car now because it's newer. But when she was talking about, I bought a car that was $150. One door didn't even open. The air conditioner didn't work. And when you went down the street, it was really loud. My suit cost more than my car. So when I went, I was a PR officer at a hospital making barely $20,000 a year. I parked a block away because I was so embarrassed of the car. But we don't want to put the time in to get to today. We, we want it. We want it now. That's not how it's going to work. And what happens? You frustrate your pastors when you want this now without putting in the wilderness experience. And I know I can. This is why I wish this would have happened 25 years ago. I wanted that right now. But I didn't know every step of the way God was moving in my life. So we did this thing with our kids where um, we would take them by the doorpost and we would sketch how tall they were and the date. Anyone do that? I mean, when we sold our last house, we had to repaint that whole door. I mean, there was like, but what, what happened is you'd go month to month and you realized, oh, they are growing. Amazing. You see, right now, in that church where you're in, that may be frustrating, you are growing, but you're not seeing it because you're living in it. Your pastor sees it, but in some ways, can I give you a, like a little secret? Sometimes your pastor is testing your spirit to see if you can make it there. Because if you get offended because some volunteer doesn't do it exactly what you want, but you want to get behind the pulpit and preach and lead music, honey, that's never going to happen. It's the little things that matter right now. Key point, fill in the blank. Many times the wilderness is where we learn key skills for the journey ahead. The next fill in the blank says, while David was waiting to be king, what did he kill? Does anyone know? A lion, a bear, and a Goliath. That was all in the waiting. That's not when he arrived. That was in the waiting period. That was before he ever put a crown on his head. And you're going to have to realize this moment right now, one or two things will happen. You will either maximize the space in between or you will frustrate yourself and you will actually go backwards. That's my will today. I believe the will of God is today. That's, that, that's the reason why we're here. We are trying to reduce that frustration in your life so you realize God is working in ways you can't even see. There's going to be doors opening up. Right now you're being prepared for it. I, I think back to um, Brother Derek, you know, everyone wants to be youth president, but you know his first job working with me at the youth department? He was like bottom of the totem pole designer who, who I had seen one project and I just gave him one little project. When I left there many years ago, he was our key creative guy there. Everyone wants that role, but you see it's, it's partly earning it. And, and earning trust. I want you to fill in the blank. You see it right there. Right now, there is work to do in my church, in my city, for this season. You see, on the way to that giant, David picked up a few stones. He didn't say, he didn't go up to the giant and say, 
by the power of God, lay down. Think about it. He did his part. God did his part, right? So there's part that we have to give. So when we're talking about this topic today of being involved in the church, time to get to work. Don't waste your time. And while we're at it, let's talk practical for a moment. Before you even think about that missions field, you got to be able to afford to go. You know, Brother Dave Ramsey is an anointed man of God. Now, I want you to know that when my wife and I began feeling a shift in our spirit, we did not, just so you know, when you work at our headquarters in the youth department, you do not apply for that job. We had no idea. One day, we're driving to our brand new home. We didn't even have grass at this new home. We were finally, I I felt like we were finally where I had always dreamed of. I, I got rid of that nasty old car, thank the Lord. I had air conditioning now. I was driving up to a custom-built home. Grass was starting to grow, and I, was, I had a great job. I was in healthcare. I mean, it was perfect. And then my wife has to stink and pray, and God showed her that there was transition coming. It started with her. Thank God that I have a praying wife. And at that moment, I was so frustrated because I didn't even want to hear about it. I was like, can we finish the house that God gave us before he moves us away? But I didn't realize that God had prepared that home for someone else. We were only in that home six months. In fact, that is the home where later on, Shay Mann would meet with us in that living room and talk about the next chapter. But you see, when she began to feel the shifting, I said, well, if that's going to happen, we need to prepare ourselves financially. So we paid off all of our debt. We got ourselves ready so we didn't, well, I think we still had the house payment, that's for sure. We met with our pastor. We began to talk to our pastor about what we were feeling, and we began to prepare. At the same time, we didn't go to the church and say, hey, everyone, attention, everyone. I'm going to post this on Facebook later. I'm going to post something like, I'm so humbled during this chapter of my life. For the last 10 years of our life, we've had the distinct privilege of being a part of this local body. But God, lightning has come down from heaven. We are so humbled by it. False humility. You see, we're so addicted to the affirmation of other people. Fill in the blank before I go deeper on that. Have a relationship with your pastor that you can discuss your calling. If your ego is so big that you... I mean, your pastor, when you come in, you're like, oh, great, I get to hear everything that's going wrong. You need to have a good relationship with your pastor. Guess what? You're not going to like everything about your pastor. I didn't. Can I tell you about my pastor? He didn't believe in Christmas trees. He didn't believe going to Cardinals baseball games. I mean, but guess what? He's my pastor. I was serving under him. Now, the year after he died, I got a Christmas tree, but... Hey, I got a new pastor in my life. One of my first questions. So, okay, I got to tell this funny story. It's hilarious. I don't know. This is not in my notes for sure. Okay, if you're convicted about Christmas trees, I am not. This has nothing to do with Christmas trees. I'm just making this. My wife calls me from Macy's. Honey, there's this big Christmas tree on sale. Can you please find out? what Pastor Leg feels about Christmas trees. 
I'm in his office, I'm like, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but. <laughs> he says, yeah, Matt, I got three Christmas trees. I leave the office, get it, honey, get that Christmas tree right. <laughs> Can I tell you, you're not going to agree with everything your pastor says or does. I'm a pastor. There are some lines that I draw because I see danger ahead. And not everyone may agree with that. But I am the one who has to set the standard for my congregation. Can I tell you, it is not a job that I pray to God in my early years. I will do anything in the kingdom, but I, will, I do not want to be a pastor anything but being a pastor. You see how that worked out? Don't you dare tell God what you don't want to do because he might say, you know what? <laughs> so now I'm a pastor. And I realize, understand that your pastor carries burdens that you'll never even imagine. He is not trying to punish you into submission so that you can do things in the kingdom of God. He's trying to teach you to be a leader in the kingdom of God so you make it all the way to the end. There are too many who get started too quick and they cannot handle it. And then they fade away and they're no longer even in church anymore. What good is it if you're not ready and you walk away from God to be involved in ministry? Our hearts and minds need to be ready. Not everyone is called to preach. Not everyone is called to sing. Can I get an amen from somebody? Not everyone is called to be a church treasurer. Not everyone is called to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. But can I tell you something? If you have a calling, do we have any school teachers here? Okay, school teachers. I believe that's a calling. Okay. Is there any nurses here? All right. Nurse over here, please stand. What hospital do you work at? What do you do there? You're an RN, what, what type of RN? Med surge. Are there any other apostolics in your department? No, hang on a second. Did you hear what she just said? And you tell me that's not a calling? I got criticized going to business school. I got criticized for getting a master's degree. I got criticized when I got board certified. But can I tell you something? I witnessed to doctors, nurses, and clinicians that no one else could. You keep it, you have a calling on your life. Come on, let's. Thank the Lord for that calling on that life. Fill in the blank. As you seek the will of God for your life, be careful the voices you listen to. If I would have listened to the voices in my life, they told me your pastor's being too hard because he doesn't want you going to Bible school. He wants you to go to business school. I went to this college that I didn't want to go to, but I was submitted to my pastor because we were serving in youth ministry. And it was in that school that there was a teacher's assistant who was looking for a relationship with God. That was one of my Bible studies that we taught together. She came to our house. We taught her a Bible study. And all these years later, she's serving God and she She's a leader in her church in Chicago, Illinois, right now. God has you right where you're at for a purpose and plan. Do not second guess because it's not what you thought God was going to have you do. God, God can blow your mind. Fill in the blank. I think it's near the second to last one. Seek only the affirmation from God and your pastor. Don't seek the affirmation of the crowd. 
Seek only the affirmation from God and your pastor. Don't seek the affirmation of the crowd. In every major decision point in my life, I was on the same page with my pastor, but I had peers in my life who told me, what in the world are you thinking? Here is the problem. In 2022, we treat the shepherd of our life like one of our peers. Okay, I'm, I'm helping someone right now. Okay, as one of our peers, like, well, pastor, that's, that's, that's a great opinion, but over here, I've got this professional over here and what they think. This doesn't change, by the way, when you, when you get past your 20s and 30s. It was two years ago that I received a call about going to Indiana. My wife and I were, we were pastoring the church in the Gulf Coast, and two weeks before I got a phone call, I thought I was going to die in the Gulf Coast. I told her, I said, we need to pick out where we're going to be buried here because I want to live by the beach the rest of my life. The beach is beautiful, by the way. Can I get an amen from anybody? And so in my mind, and that's the problem, it was in my mind, so when an opportunity in Indiana came up in a city I didn't even know during COVID, there's no way. So I called a man of God in my life. This doesn't change. For the rest of my life, I will have a man of God in my life. So if you feel like, oh, you're being authoritative. No, it, it goes for me. Scott Graham is my pastor. And I called him and I says, I don't even know. If I should even go and check out this opportunity, I don't even know. And he prayed with me. He says, I think you need to go. And it was several months later. He was praying with me, and it was time to transition. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. But can I tell you, when you have that relationship with God and the man of God and nothing else matters, even when people say, oh, you're leaving the beach. The beach is not getting me to heaven, folks. It might help along the way, but <laughs> the affirmation from God is on that day, folks, all we need to hear is well done from him. If all my peers said you didn't do what I thought you were going to, it doesn't matter. I want to hear well done. We're going to break here in three minutes, but let me finish up this thought. Remember in David's situation, even his own family didn't believe in him. And this is going to help someone right here. My father told me if I became a pastor, there's nothing I could do that could disappoint him more. So if you're here and you're the only one living for God, don't use it as an excuse why you can't do great things in the kingdom of God. You are just as called as that person who has 10 generations who've been apostolic. In fact, sometimes it's an advantage because we can get this apostolic heritage thing it can become a badge of pride. Okay, I just kind of was fair to both sides there, okay? I don't have any of that. In fact, I have no one in my family who goes to church. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to look around and say, well, they get, look at all the things. I'm, not, I'm thankful for the multiple generations. But when you're called by God, he gives you everything you need. He gives you everything that you need. So... As we close this lesson, I want to ask you these questions. Can a person be, have a gift of administration? Can they have a gift of planning? Can they have the gift of creativity? 
Can, can they be gifted in all those areas? Can they be called? Could there actually be an apostolic lawyer? That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? David Bernard, what do you think he is? Man, an honest lawyer, imagine that. Just kidding. Every vocation God can call you into. We have any plumbers in here? Any plumbers in here? No? Firefighters? Police officers? No? Not, any chefs? No, any any uh, drivers? <laughs> any fast food workers in the house? Any sandwich makers? What do y'all do in Oklahoma? <laughs> I, I, I mean, did, anyone drill holes for oil in Oklahoma? I mean, is that the question? Okay. All of us do different things, but if you're waiting and thinking the calling is only when I get this microphone and I stand up here, you are missing the call of God on your life. Now, could it be part of it? Yes, but it's only part of it. Thank you for listening with us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you can stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.